It's the Friendly Fire Show for the last time in 2021. Before I introduce myself, Ben, you said you'd go along with the surprise, so I need you to close your eyes until you hear me speak next. Okay. I'm Steve Wright from Survivor. You can open your eyes now, Ben. Oh, <laughs> that is cool. No. <laughs> and joining me is my bestest friend and yours, Ben Salter, also from Survivor. Um, this is remarkably easy to see through, but I actually can't hear a thing. So, um, Master Chief, out. Okay. I thought that would yeah, be funny. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, while you're trying to get it again. Your head and now I'm back, I'll just. <laughs> I'll just explain what was going on there in case like all of our listeners who listen to this are via podcast and didn't see that. So you just open the podcast with your full-on Master Chief helmet on, which you have because you're a next-level fan. Uh, but they look cool. Like, um, do you it, just wear that around the house? Uh, no. And, I'm, and it, it, is, it is definitely me, uh, Twitch chat. Hello, hello, uh, my friend and yours, Hamish. Um, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, I got sent that from Microsoft. I thought I would wear it once. Um, and I'm not going to make weird jokes about like having it requested in the bedroom or something because my husband would kill me if I ever dared set foot in our bedroom with a Master Chief helmet. It's really cool. It's extremely yeah. see-through, um, but it's pretty like fiberglassy and warm. And I didn't work out how to get the headphones in. So I thought that would be fun. Well, it looks cool. I suppose you could like take it to PAX and wear it for two minutes and then take it off because it's just boiling hot inside there. But I reckon I'd get rolled it for it. Time. I'd get rolled yeah, for it. Probably. Someone would steal it and I would be Master Chief helmetless. So I'm going to keep it. It is pretty neat. Um, but yeah, because we've been playing Halo Infinite. Yes. And I've talked about it heaps. So why don't you tell us what you, how, how far in it have, are you, first of all, Ben? Uh, well, we're talking campaign because we've talked multiplayer before. So campaign, which has now come out, uh, I'm probably halfway through. So not to reveal how the sausage is made, but you had a preview build, then I had a preview build. And when we realized that our save would get reset, I played through like half and now the real game's out and I've kind of just played through the same half. Uh, so I collectively played the whole game. But you knew where everything was. So it'll be a, a pleasant yeah. experience first time around but the first time i kind of just skipped all the side missions and this time i'm taking my time and i'm doing a lot of them so it's that uh if you haven't played it the the big change this time is that it's kind of open world it's open-ish in the sense that the previous hello games have been pretty linear they've kind of pushed it's basically level based whereas this one is a bit more open uh there are certainly main missions but there are also a bunch of side missions some of them are a bit ubisofty in the sense that you just have like loads of icons on the map nowhere near as much don't let me put you off with that because it doesn't have the map bloat of you just don't know where to go there's a clear yellow is your main story or you can go to the various other colors uh and do some side stuff if you want you could it seems like you can ignore it as well but um i don't know how much of it you did but i'm pushing through quite a lot of that stuff at the moment I have a 100% complete save file. I've finished the game on Heroic, and I've started my... Because I was going to wait for you to do it co-op, but like I honestly think by the time mm. May rolls around, I'm probably going to have to play it a separate time ahead of when we play it together, especially if we try on like Legendary with all skulls on. Um, so I'm, pl I'm doing Legendary. I need like three more achievements in the game, which, if you know me, isn't surprising, really. Um, if you yeah, haven't... Luck. Sorry? Mm. No, well, there are a lot of achievements. Uh, it's surprisingly hard, so good work doing it on Heroic because generally a Halo has been relatively easy in that you can just kind of run past something that's too hard, but not really the case here. Sometimes you can, uh, but sometimes it kind of gives you the old, there's enemies around, you have to actually deal with them, and especially when it's that outpost style where you have to clear it out. Uh, I'm only playing on normal, and even then I've been having some level of challenge with some of them, so yeah, uh, I think it'll be quite tough on Legendary. You get You get better with practice. Um, hi as well, Jay, who's now in the chat. Um, uh, there's a couple like kill closet rooms where you have to kill everything before you can like hack a terminal. But then like, there are a lot of sections where you can just like grapple up really high and then just like chain grapples to kind of just like clear a room and people don't get you. Um, the lasso play through with all skulls turned on is hard because you, you know, like your checkpoints are gone and you have no HUD. So you can't really see which weapon you have or anything 
It's like you're mm-hmm. just it's kind of like a weird like mirror's edge thing. Like it's like, oh, am I am I slashing an invisible energy sword right now or am I shooting a rocket that I can't see until it hits the ground? Um it's weird. Anyway, we're not talking about achievements in in Halo. If you haven't listened to the the twenty minute uh, little podcast addendum from last week where I spoke with uh Steve Dick and Paul Crocker, you definitely should go back and check it out. It's in podcast or in video form. Uh Paul Crocker used to be at uh would have been Rocksteady. Rocksteady? Yeah, that sounded wrong, but Rocksteady, uh Batman Arkham games. He was on City, and I think City did a really good job of like not Ubisofting an open world, of like doing things that felt like a Batman thing to do. And I feel like the the open world things in Infinite are very much like the chief has to be involved. It's not like to send a marine or two, like it has mm. to be something that he would do. Maybe not the propaganda towers, but they feed into Valor to unlock scorpions and stuff. So I think that's really cool. Um, I've still really like it. I've played it a whole bunch of times. I've gone back into multiplayer and I know we're not talking about multiplayer a lot, but, um, they opened up a whole bunch of new playlists today. So you can go into SWAT or in Fiesta or free for all, um, enjoyable. But what I've found is that it's killing the ping thing. So Australians sometimes will just jump in and get like a 25 ping game. Excellent. Sometimes you get match made super quickly, but you have like 250 ping. Um, mm. And I feel like because now the playlists are being split into different ones, the ping is more noticeably bad more often just because there's okay. more ways to match make. So you're not going to get the perfect connection straight away, if that makes sense. So that's kind of worrisome. Yeah. Um, we did ask Microsoft for comments and they haven't given us one. So I don't know. What, I don't know what to say I about would- that. Definitely recommend. I forget how to do it. It would be great if I had a fact to give you, but I would definitely recommend putting on uh, that network check where it kind of tells you what your ping is in the top right corner. Very small, so it's not distracting at all, but it's always there. And just to let yourself know if it's you being terrible or if there's potentially uh, a network issue, which is why you keep getting destroyed. So um, when this comes up in other games, COD and Battlefield, it is annoying, but I feel like I can still get through. But Halo, it seems to really affect you a lot more. Maybe it's because the shields and the um, melee being such a big deal that if you just have that um, latency there, it can just it can end you. So, um, yeah, we've talked about that last time, though. It's an issue. It'd be great if Microsoft would explain why this keeps happening, mainly to Australians, it seems. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think multiplayer is in a great spot. Um, and good that they're still working on it. Like, it's a slow burn. It's not an annual franchise. So it's hopefully something that's going to have some life and survive for the next few years and keep getting better. Uh, and yeah, campaign's really strong. Yeah, it is a shame that the co-op's not there because the the whole level design feels like it's made for co-op. Like it's it's fine solo, but I can just see like how they've like it is that very much like that outpost style design for a lot of it, and it would just it would feel so good with someone going from a different angle. Like you could get through it so much easier. And I think that's probably why the difficulty is as it is. If you had two or even four people, uh, you probably make all the difference especially on legendary that said some of the level design is very uh halo 1 halo 2 even halo 3 like it's flashbacks to that era so as we talked about previously they've managed to capture that essence of what halo used to be but apply it in a more modern setting and it kind of feels like a modern game as well so i think they've nailed that across the campaign as they have with multiplayer yeah, I think the one thing that I think is missing, because I've, I've, I've went through the campaign, so I guess it's technically like three times at this point. Um, it's kind of missing. And like the House of, I'm, I'm like, spoiler free, I'm giving you mission names. House of Reckoning is probably like the coolest mission. It's a little bit kind of like firefight in a way. And I won't even explain why if, if you haven't gotten there and you haven't been. Um, but like, there's not a mission that kind of just goes, Ooh. And like for good or bad, like mm. if I'm thinking like good missions, there's a whole bunch, but like if I'm thinking missions like Halo Combat Evolved Library, I don't like that level, but it's memorable because it's like frustrating. Like there's not any of that good or bad. It's kind of just like well designed yeah. Halo, which isn't bad per se, but it's just like I wish there was like a little teeny bit more, I think. I think that's the flip side of doing that openish world, pick your mission. Uh, it means that they don't have control over the pacing. So it doesn't have that. That's why some of the missions hit so well in previous Halo games. It's where they were in the game as much as what the mission was. So they can't. They lose that. And that's what they give up to do a game like this. And, uh, well, I can't really comment because I haven't got to the end yet. But 
I could feel already coming along that potentially it's not going to have that iconic mission because of, of how it structured itself. Uh, but it still has the iconic music and half of Halo's like most epic moments are just that soundtrack coming in and the main theme hitting at exactly the right time. And I feel like they at least have got that right because you get those tingles when you hear that Halo theme come in. Absolutely. Um, it's super good. If you haven't played it, and you have Game Pass, you're silly. You should, because obviously you have nothing to lose. Hmm. Um, so make sure you do that. Anything else you want to talk about Halo-wise before we keep going? Uh, no, I mean, certainly up there for me is Game of the Year. I think it hasn't had that much competition, really. Like, we've talked about so many potential contenders, but none of them really felt like they were a definite winner. And Halo just feels a little bit ahead of all of them um, to me, so... I'd probably have it as my top game, but I haven't finished it yet. Maybe it falls off a cliff and I'll hate it. But at the moment, very strong contender. Yes. Even though I guess by our standards, Survivor Game of the Year, it would have to be Game of the Year for 2022. But we'll get into our Game of the Year at the end. Um, Ben, I'm going to keep you talking because you uh, have played a little bit of Big Ants Cricket 22. So why don't you tell us if it's Mm. as buggy as previous iterations? (laughs) It is extraordinarily buggy. And that is why I would suggest probably waiting a little longer. Uh, And this is the thing. So this is their fourth or fifth cricket game now. It's been almost 10 years. uh, And they always launch super buggy and they leave it up to their 99.95 paying customers to do the testing, basically report all the bugs. And eventually a year later, they've ironed out most of them. So um, I do think it's better than the last cricket game. They've um, improved the general gameplay a lot, the ball movement, dismissals, just the um general presentation is what they've focused on this time i think there are improvements there um they've added some story into your career so it's less text-based although it's a bit dodgy um and there's more more real licensing so the old way used to be the i don't know how they got away with it but you used to be able to just click like get community team and it would replace jay smorth with steve smith and like now they're actually licensed in all game modes as far as i can tell um so that's the main difference here that said, if you just want to have a little hit and you don't care that much, get Cricket 19. It's like 20 bucks. It's in Game Pass as well. Uh, pretty similar. It's not a drastic step. I think 22, when, when it's finished in about a year, will be a, um, an improvement, but it's not a drastic step up. The issue is, as always, there are just so many bugs. It will uh, crash randomly. Um, based on previous games, I'm going to say there's going to be a point in the career mode where it just crashes or something doesn't work, and the only way to fix it is to restart your career mode. So as always, do not start a real career mode yet because something will go wrong. And there's weird things there, like the your player stats are assigned wrong. Like I only bat because I can't be bothered bowling, but my batting stats are under bowling. Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, in one of the cutscenes, which are voice acted by your coach, um, a text came up just saying placeholder text here. <laughs> like, like how did they not realize that that's not in there yet stuff like that um and you know like the fielding doesn't kind of feel right so it's it's not finished they've had big ant always has a big problem with xbox so playstation has had several patches i'm playing on xbox and i have haven't had any yet um they tweeted today that they've tried to submit two patches and they both failed microsoft certification so they're not good enough there's obviously still issues with them and xbox has rejected them uh, in much the same way that PlayStation rejected Cyberpunk for being too buggy, but also after it had come out. So um, if Xbox were going to follow Sony's lead, they should probably delete this game, but they, um, it's not that bad. But it is a bit strange that they... I haven't heard of another developer always having a problem with Microsoft, and they, you know what Big Ants like on Twitter, they're very aggressive and they're very, oh, Microsoft, don't help us, there's always issues. But I haven't heard of anyone else having these issues that they constantly have with them, so uh xbox not the best place to play probably better off playing on playstation if you want to play it right now i would suggest unless you want to play the the ashes which is starting tomorrow um or they've already started actually the second test is starting tomorrow and you want to play the official series license right now um play 19 and maybe wait 12 months or so when they've ironed it out fix all the glitches and it will probably be a pretty good game and about 30 bucks next december yeah, that's that's a that's like the big ant recommendation. Like it comes out, you're like, ooh, it's gonna be an interesting little while. So yeah, like, and if you do have Game Pass, yeah. just like we said about Infinite, you know, it's not gonna hurt you to give 19 a try and to see if it's like kind of up your alley. And if you really like it and you burn through it, then maybe you can. And you're happy 22. to do some testing, basically. If you want to do the testing and you want to report those glitches, go for it. 
That sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> ben, I've, uh, I don't know if you've watched it. It's, it's out now. Mm. Uh, the thing I'm talking about is called Power On, the story of Xbox. I had a screener a couple weeks ago of the first uh, of the six parts that are now available in their entirety on a number of different platforms. Probably YouTube's the easiest place to see it. Um, pretty good, actually. I've, I've watched three parts of the six-part uh, documentary. Um, the first part kind of starts off like Microsoft funded this, or at least funded it in part. Like it's it starts off like a little too like rah-rah Microsoft for me, and then kind of sheds that and gets into actual people like you know some microsoft employees still and some former ones like just talking about how the actual xbox came to be and the hurdles that they encountered um the first episode was like a lot of just like old white dudes and i'm like "Eh." and that's kind of like i guess what technology was 20 years ago but um they're slowly introducing more voices which i just kind of like um it's 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 an interesting little uh documentary uh probably like 45 minute episodes so what like four hours total have you watched yeah. any of it yet? I've watched the first two episodes. Uh, very interesting. And I've uh, the second episode, at least, does get a little scathing on what Xbox were trying to do. And I've heard it gets even deeper into that when they get to the Xbox One. They're not, they don't shy away from the mistakes that they made, which is super rare, but also is what makes it interesting. Like, yeah. uh, no doubt um, PlayStation and Nintendo both had similar missteps. In fact, we know that they did. But they kind of hide them, and they pretend they never happened, and they never want to show it. Um, Xbox, well, Microsoft being such a giant company has a luxury of being able to, and now that they're successful in the gaming space, be able to say, "This is what we did. This is what we did wrong." Um, I've heard that um, Valentine's Day massacre story by Bill Gates before, when he went yeah. in and just abused everyone on Valentine's Day, and they had to cancel their plans, which is why it was called the massacre. All the wives got left home alone, um, and then at the end of it, you know, kind of saying that you guys are ruining Microsoft. You've undone all my good work. And then by the end of the meeting, he said, actually, we're going to do it. Yeah. And that was all because they didn't want to put the real version of Windows. Or they said they can't. We, you know, When we pitched it to Bill, we said, we're going to put Windows on it. He said, approved. And then they realized they couldn't. And they didn't tell him until just before. And they said, by the way, Bill, it's not real Windows. Yeah. That made him very angry. Um, and this is basically what this documentary is. They go back over these stories. And it's it's quite interesting. So even if you're not an Xbox person, I would say well worth watching just for an insight into the gaming industry uh and i think a few episodes ago when we we talked about sometimes it's more interesting just to talk about it and to read about it and to hear about it how this stuff works as opposed to even playing a game sometimes you can't be bother playing but it's interesting to hear about how it all comes together so if that's you super interesting and super worth watching and i'm looking forward to the other four parts and i would love to see something similar on a bunch of other companies but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I, even if you're not a super like, so I, I made uh, Matt watch episode two, and he was pretty engaged. Like he's like, I'm not watching the rest. You can just watch it without me. But if you if you're interested in like even just business, yeah. it's it's almost amazing. Like there was this core team of of you know direct X people who were basically driving the Xbox, but then you know like they only have the software and the coding experience. So they had to bring in you know like the hardware guy who like he makes mice he doesn't make gaming peripherals and like it's it's just kind of cool to see how how some of these people in microsoft had to i'm using such a stupid buzzword for the pandemic but like pivot and be agile to do something else and like some people kind of were drawn into the fold nicely and some people like were just kind of told like you're working on xbox now deal with it um that's just it's really interesting and i'm looking forward to to watching the rest I'm, i'm really keen to, I don't think I've actually watched the third episode. I've watched a part of the third episode. Really keen for like the Red Ring of Death stuff with the 360. Really uh, curious to see how they're going to treat the Xbox One. If Matrick gets pulled in to, to say anything or if they're just going to talk about Don Matrick and the TV, TV, TV yeah. thing. Um, and I really hope they do something with like cloud gaming. And it's probably a little too early to... to, to <sighs> reveal like this the secret sauce behind you know like how cloud came to be at microsoft but i like i hope at least later on we get something similar for cloud because that's like as and i hope connect gets its day i yeah like i think it should be more episodes the way it's going like they're still on xbox where where i'm watching and it's like well you know that was anyway it's cool give it a go it's free it's on youtube uh head to the site if you want it linked uh anything else you've been playing ben before we get going 
Nothing news that I can think of. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I had my Christmas party during the the Game Awards, so I didn't watch it. I only watched the trailers afterward, um, which I think is kind of the best way to do it, to be honest. So I don't have yeah. a lot of news items that I've pulled unless you want to to talk about others. But um, if I don't talk about Alan Wake 2 first, I would be stupid. Um, so after years and years and years, 10 years, almost 11 since the release of the original Alan Wake on Xbox 360 and subsequent uh, little mini sequels and DLC within Control, we finally, finally have Alan Wake 2 confirmed. Uh, it's going to be a third-person survival horror game, so not an action horror game. Uh, and all the, well, the original cast members who uh, comprise Alan himself, so Matthew Peretta and uh, Vil... No, what's his name? Vil... Uh, Vilk, oh, a Finnish guy, damn it, who, uh, who is the, the face of Alan Wake, will be the face of Alan Wake, and Matthew Peretti, who was uh, mm. Dr. Casper Darling in Control, will be his voice, and I just am over the moon, Ben, are, are you as excited so, as I am? You're telling me it's not Jake Gyllenhaal, as <laughs> I heard on the internet. <laughs> Interesting. No. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am excited. I need to play Alan Wake Remastered at some point. You do? Uh well, I'll get around to it. I've got a big backlog at the moment, so maybe that's one of my many January games. But yes, I'm a, a big Alan Wake 1 fan, but I played it 10 years ago, so I haven't gone back to it since then. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense to go that more survival horror route. I kind of think that's what they always wanted to do. It's pretty much what they said, right? They kind of said, this is uh, more where we wanted to take it. I think they used the example of we didn't really want, want to make a teen game. We wanted to make a mature game, which in Australia is probably the difference between an M and an MA. They yep. obviously use the American ratings. Uh, and that's where they're going. So, yeah. I, ooh, it's, it's, yeah. I think people, people were a little bit concerned because like it, we, we barely have anything. It's coming out in 2023. It's PC and current gen only. So no, you know, cross gen Xbox one or PS4, which I'm all for. It's in their uh, Northlight engine looks like the, the, the not gameplay, the kind of, in engine but you know like probably more cutsceney like pans through the environments look great but i think people saw those and thought it was first person because they didn't see like as the camera's moving they didn't see like alan and right ahead of the the focal point so it's like oh it's going to be first person like resident evil 7 because it's it's survival horror i'm like no 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 so sam lake's kind of and corrected all that kind of stuff um, no one is as excited about Alan Wake as I am. It's, it's absolutely true. Uh, I, I honestly cannot wait. I'm so excited to see what happens. I, I feel like if this wasn't announced in the last couple of weeks or in the next couple months, it obviously has, um, I would have murdered people at Remedy because they've been making this Ooh. giant Alan Wake. Well, like not, uh, it's not a real death threat. Um, <laughs> But like they've been pushing Alan Wake so hard, like it's it, it couldn't have just been a coincidence. And then like when they put Alan Wake will yeah. return the credits, and you're like, you mean you mean new Alan Wake? And they're like, oh, not sure. It's like stop toying with me. Just let's get this done. So it's just it's like so nice after like a tease on the TV and like Quantum Break and a remastered re-release and like sort of Easter eggs and Control before like full blown DLC. It's just like it's really nice to have it like a. <sighs> there's like a weight off my shoulders right. now i just have yeah. a wait till 2023 i can't i can't wait i'm so excited so good job remedy uh please smash it out of the park can't wait um were you a fan of the shadow of mordor more middle earth shadow of franchise do you know i have to admit i've never played them i've oh. maybe dabbled for a couple of minutes but i yeah, it's never really got into them i hear they're excellent have you heard? Well, I, I think the biggest claim to fame is the Nemesis system. Are you familiar with the Nemesis system? Uh, oh, oh, God. Okay. Um, it is a it is a proprietary thing that a monolith, the developer of Middle Earth: Shadow of War or Mordor, uh, created for their Lord of the Rings tie-in games. Um, and it's kind of similar to things that you've seen in like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, to be honest, where like you just have like here are these you know commanders of of this cult that you need to kill but apparently in the nemesis wow. system nemesis system it's a little bit different where like if you don't quite kill someone they'll get stronger and they'll like if they come and try to kill you the next time they'll like reminisce about the last time they tried to take your life or if you do kill someone like 
all the plebs move higher up the chain and like know your legend and your glory. Like it's it's a pretty like convoluted system for just like a you know a hit list basically. But anyway, uh, the game that we're starting to talk about is Wonder Woman by Monolith using the Nemesis system. I'm imagining it's going to be extremely similar to the Shadow of uh, Lord of the Rings games in which you'll be Diana and have a sword and your lasso and like take people out. Um, we didn't see much, but are you are you kind of keen to play a Wonder Woman game? Uh, well, now I am. Now that there's been this like series of very successful superhero-based games, I'd play almost anything because we've talked about this a few years ago, and like they they're finding the right developer for the right franchise. So it's not a one person trying to make all these games. It's Insomniac made a great Spider-Man game. Um, uh, Rocksteady made a great Batman game. Like they're finding the right developer for the right game, and I feel like maybe that's what they've done here. But having not played the other games, I'm not entirely sure of that. But it seems like maybe there's a good fit yet again. So that's what we need for these type of games: is the the right developer for the right series. Yeah, and like the track record of Monolith in in these kind of fantasy settings you know, like not open world, like GTA skyscraper laden environments. Like it, this, this is well suited to a Wonder Woman game where like she could just be kind of like running through Themyscira or just like, you know, like in the past because she's, you know, out of time compared to like a human where she's just using a sword and a horse and a shield and like just kind of Wonder Woman, Wonder Womaning it up. Like it's, it seems like a really good fit um, I hope they modernize it a little bit. Like, I hope it's not just because, like, Shadow of War and Mordor, you're just kind of like out in rocky, cliffy yeah. areas, like out in the countryside. Like, very I think, brown game. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of room in terms of setting and visuals and stuff. But I think, like, I, I can't imagine the core being any different. So, and that core is a solid core. Like, I don't, I don't think I found a lot of enjoyment in it because, like, I just don't care about the Lord of the Rings and, like, you kill one orc, you kill 500 orcs. But if it's Wonder Woman, I'm, like, a little bit instantly more connected just as it is. So I'm down for that. Uh, that looks like it's a ways out. So uh, we'll just have to keep our eye on it. These are all just the games that I liked the most out of the Game Awards. So, like, if you want to talk about another one, Ben, by all means. But uh, my final one that I want to talk about uh, is by a bunch of former Telltale Games developers who have formed a new studio, and they are making a Star Trek tie-in called Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, it is set in the Next Generation era after the films. Um, so kind of like Voyager, uh, or not even Voyager, like Deep Space Nine, uh, black and gray outfits, or the, the TNG movie outfits. Uh, it's on a Centaur class uh, vessel where you play as the first officer and an engineer. Uh, and it'll be very uh, telltale like in uh, like kind of like a narrative experience with some probably like not that difficult kind of action stuff. Um, we don't know a lot about it, but it comes out, you know, in the next six months or so. So I'm just really keen for it. It's been a while since we've had a Star Trek game. I like a good narrative experience, telltale thing. So I can't imagine you're as excited as I am about any of these games, Ben. But uh, would would you uh, give it a go? No, probably not. Uh, <laughs> there's, only, there's only so many telltale games I can play. I think I played my last year already. But having said that, is it a new studio or is it an existing studio who's hired telltale developers? It's a new studio. It's called like delirious labs sorry i'm gonna be clicking around because okay. i didn't do my research because we're not a fact-based well, that's show. all right they've done an excellent job to get a, a license that big so quickly then yeah the cbs Viacom. uh they're called dramatic labs it's a new studio um made of of telltale devs old telltale devs and telltale like like the the new telltale who is some old telltale devs and new hires they're making an expanse uh, game which is based off that uh, series of sci-fi novels and the Amazon Prime Video uh, sci-fi series. So if you like Telltale style games and sci-fi, the Game Awards was like a good go for you this year. Were there any? Yeah. Was there anything? I didn't that... watch. God, I didn't watch the Game Awards. I checked Twitter basically for a rundown, and I think. You're right. I don't need to watch a three-hour war. I can just see like the seven-minute actual highlights, and I, 
he hadn't, I would have remembered Alan Wake too, and I wouldn't, I didn't even register. Like nothing looked the skimmer of these awards. Nothing really stood out to me besides though. Uh, but again, it should be an awards show. It shouldn't really be an announcement show. So I don't want it to have too many big things. You know, that's what, how they make their money. But uh, yeah, it's not what it's for. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. It was nice just to kind of go through the trailers. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. There was like Hellblade, Senua Saga gameplay, uh, a whole bunch of other games. Tunic got a release date. Like there was a whole bunch of stuff. But like, that's yeah, like it's December yeah. and I'm tired. I don't want more stuff. I want less stuff. Speaking of less stuff that I don't want to have, but I guess more stuff that's being offered, uh, do you uh, have a keen interest in non-fungible tokens, Ben? Uh, well, I used to only like fungible tokens, but apparently the non-fungibles <laughs> are all about now, and Ubisoft is continuing to go down an odd path. Uh, maybe we're just told, like, maybe they're, they're going down the right path, and this is exactly what they should be doing. I can't even explain it because I don't understand it. So, it's tell me what is Ubisoft doing? Okay, well, here's my attempt. So, um, Ubisoft is launching something called Ubisoft Quartz, which is a non-fungible token NFT uh, repository allocation system. So, um, an NFT in this case is going to be in-game items, in this particular case for Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, where they're very unique, there's only so many made, and your ownership of them is tied in uh, the blockchain. And Ubisoft is saying yeah. that this blockchain is energy efficient and, and not as bad, even though like I think any blockchain is not really energy efficient, just by definition. Um, so you'll only yeah. be able to use these items like a helmet or something in Breakpoint but you have control over it. So you can sell it to someone else if they're interested in this thing. And I guess you can sell it for real world, real world money. This is where like the fact-based stuff comes, maybe goes out the window. I'm not entirely yeah. certain, but like you can sell it, but I guess like, I don't, it's not clear to me how much like Ubisoft gets in terms of like a cut and all that kind of stuff. And like, if they turn off the servers for breakpoint, like, I guess your ownership is still in the blockchain, but like you can't, use it anymore it's useless it's, it's worthless so they're finding a way basically to monetize the monetizing of microtransactions and make things artificially artificially scarce so that you can then sell them on some type of second hand market uh i don't really get why you do any of that but if you're into it go for it interestingly on it with a game which was notably a flop at launch Did at you... least by ubisoft standards for it so did you see what yeah. you needed to do to get one of the items? You had no. to play 600 hours of Ghost Recon Breakpoint to be eligible to Nobody. play. Nobody has played 600 hours of Ghost Recon Breakpoint. If you have, then more power to you. You definitely should get that <laughs> weird helmet. And like, if not, these energy efficient blockchains, like people theoretically will just now turn on their computer load breakpoint and just sit in the world oh, for yeah. hours and hours and hours to hit the L so like how is that energy efficient it's not like no. I, I old man will yell at cloud uh and be like i don't understand nfts but like that's basically me at this point i don't understand the the appeal i don't understand i just don't understand so um good good for that yeah if you somehow have a yeah. good use case for that. nfts please tell us I would love to hear it. Um, anything else from the Game Awards or for, like news in general that you want to talk about? I think that was... It's kind of like that weird thing where there's a whole bunch Don't on, look, but it's... No. Good. <laughs> it's been like no announcements, nothing happening. Uh, I did get that Xbox 20th anniversary controller on a whim purchase when it was quickly available, then not available on Amazon. Looks cool. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's transparent, that's right? I've been playing. A little controller. bit transparent? Translucent? Yeah. Yeah, ish. Yeah, it's that like early 2000s. Remember when all plastic had three kind of translucent? Yes. Uh, it's that style and like classic Xbox green a little bit. So, yeah, looks cool. Don't really use it though because I just use my Elite Series 2, but I like to have it. Microsoft sent out that helmet and, and they sent everybody else an Elite controller, like the Master Chief fancy Elite Series 2 controller. They sent me a keyboard, which admittedly, um, I said I wouldn't type, but it's it's worth listening. 
mechanical keyboardy clicky clicky but yeah in a in a yeah, weird I don't think we heard that but anyhow oh i thought it oh, was, yeah it seems very well, loud mouse. and then this is like my my what is it wrist rest so but i didn't i didn't buy well, that you bought that so more power to you i just got that's things. that's good for you because um yeah we well, yeah, now that you're a pc master race that's what you need a fancy keyboard and a mouse Ra- would rather have fancy controllers but that's just me um we're gonna finish off ben this year talking about our game of the year awards and uh if you're listening right now or watching our live uh, Twitch TV Survivor live stream, uh, you're going to get a, a sneak peek into two awards that round out the week. But um, I, I thought we could just quickly Ooh. talk about them, Ben. So we started off on Monday with our best sports or racing game. We gave that to Forza Horizon 5. Uh, would you like to say nice things about Forza Horizon 5? Or do you think that it was something it else was great. robbed? No, it's the obvious choice. It would have been great if we had a sound effect there, like a little cheer or something, but I don't know how to do that. That's your lead. I can add it in post. That's that's Uh, beyond me right now. This this is live. Uh, Anyway, but yes, very good. Great game. I think, yeah, that's it. (laughs) I think Forza Horizon 5 kind of came and went to a degree because one, it's a slow burn game. So you play it for years, unlike a lot of um, game of the year contenders. But two, it's so, Forza Horizon 3 and 4 did such a great job that 5 doesn't feel like the big, current gen stretch that it really is like it it is a step up it looks amazing it plays amazing it runs so well uh, and i think they've kind of got a better flow of um different missions and activities to do that said as they keep adding more it gets more bloated and i think that it gets a little bit worse over time because it just gets too much it's kind of good as it is now if they added only a little bit more um but yeah i think it's just it's a, a small victim very low level victim of its own success because We've already kind of been here and done that, and so it probably hasn't quite got the recognition it deserves. But it is—it's an excellent game, as I do I say on Game Pass. No harm in trying it out. Yeah, I've said it a million times. I really like it, but I've—I've I've been playing Halo obsessively to get things done, and just because I'm enjoying playing Halo. And it's that weird thing of like you jump back in, and it's that Ubisoft bloat of like there's just so many things on the map I don't know what to do. Mm. So I'm kind of looking forward to a DLC. Like in in, in Forza Horizon Four, they had like the the Lego one and there was the Hot Wheels one and there's like Blizzard Mountain. And I kind of like going to a new map in Forza after a while because I don't have to worry about like the 7 million icons on the main map. I can just go to like a little island and it's like a, a lot more manageable. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'll probably try to, to get back into Horizon and mop it up over the Christmas break, but there's just a lot. Um, much like we were talking about Halo Infinite being potentially our game of the year or at least a contender in 2022 just because we go by the game awards uh, cutoff dates for simplicity in our own voting uh we awarded the best rpg of this year to a game that was technically released in december last year that being cyberpunk 2077 uh jay reviewed it on pc last year and didn't have a lot of, of problems i played it and got all the thousand gamer score on xbox um not long after like it ha- there were some bugs and it was pretty noticeable but a year on in a lot of those have been rectified apparently um i still think the the narrative mm. is great the the game itself is great and if you can kind of turn a blind eye to some weird hiccups now and then it's really good have you have you played it i can't remember to be honest i played about three hours and then i decided to shelve it because i would play the at the time current now or at the time next now current gen version because it was meant to be out in the second half of this year since been delayed, but I've waited this long, may as well keep waiting. So yeah. I'm just going to wait for that real version to come out on console. Play Alan Wake instead. Remastered, of course. Oh, I'll play the old one if you want. Uh, we today, <laughs> as at the time of recording, Wednesday's uh, award for best action or action adventure uh, went to uh, Bethesda's Arcane's Deathloop, which uh, I think is well-deserving. The, the map's are big and sprawling, but not too big and sprawling. There's a whole bunch of things to go and explore. There's a lot of puzzles to piece together. The combat um, is is pretty rewarding and fun. It, there's a lot to kind of do, and there's different ways mm. to do it. So it's it's well worth a, a play. And I guess, you know, if, if you're patient or have too much on your backlog, give it a couple more months, and you can probably get it on Game Pass and play it for free, like half the other games we talked about today. Absolutely. Uh, I think definitely makes the top five game of the year, if not top three. So amazing game. Uh, just the way that they take things that you know how to do. Like it is a lot of it's first person shootery, but it's certainly not a first person shooter. A lot of it's kind of like puzzly, 
um, figure out your own path to your objective. It's just, yeah, it comes together really nicely. So certainly worth playing. And even though Bethesda is now a Microsoft company, that classic thing of Bethesda games just losing their value immediately has happened again. It was like 30 bucks or something like that, like six months after it came out. For some reason, Bethesda's big hits are always like 20 bucks a year after they come out. It just always happens. They just do not hold value at all. And it's happened yet again. So is it because uh, like they're single player? Like something like Rage 2 or Prey. No, because they go so cheap. I remember Prey being like $10 like nine months after it came out. Like, and it's just every Bethesda game this happens to. So something about them, they just they do not have any value at all long term, which is great if you hold off playing them. You can always get it cheap. So uh, six months from now, you better when it comes out on Xbox, you better buy it on PlayStation for like $15. I guarantee that. Wow. There you go. Win-win. Uh, so the two sneak peeks, uh, by the time this podcast comes out or the, the video, we'll have already announced our, uh, what was it? Mul- best multiplayer game, which uh, we've awarded this year to It Takes Two, uh, which is Hazelight uh, and an EA original or an EA, is that the name of their indie program? EA original? Something like that. Anyway, uh, It Takes Two, yes, the, the yes. Game Awards mm-hmm. Game of the Year, which I think probably not deserving if I'm being frankly uh honest but um still really enjoyable i think it went a little too long and i think it's really hard sometimes to have to you literally have to have a second person to play you can't have like an ai take over and and you know play a bit like you need two people to commit time um but the multiplayer very enjoyable especially when you're like playing those little mini games or you're trying to like beat your opponent when you're not trying to you know cooperate to succeed so it's it's really fun you've you've been playing it with with claire correct or tried to? Maybe? Uh, no, I dabbled a little bit, but for that exact reason of you need the second player and I need to play through with one person the whole way, I just haven't really got it. So, uh, yeah. Well, now I probably will go back to it because it won the Game Award uh, Game of the Year. So Matt's given up entirely. So if you want a, a co-op person and we can't play Halo Infinite together, obviously, I I will be your co-op partner, Ben. Just say the word and I am okay. I am there. I'm there. I have to start at the beginning again. So long. <laughs> I don't know why I keep I keep if you're watching the Twitch stream, I keep throwing up like the, the game of the year category on Survivor.com, which these two that I'm talking about now aren't even on that page yet because they're in the future. Um but the last one that we're gonna do this week is for the best ongoing game, and we gave that to Dead by Daylight. In my opinion, extremely deserving. I know you don't play it, Ben. Um, but you really should get into it. And the best part is like, it's, it's on game pass as well. So you could jump in for free. You don't have to worry about like all the extra different characters and stuff today. Uh, behavior interactive announced that the next, uh, huge chapter update is going to be the ring or technically Ringu, like the, the books, the Japanese books, not the, the movies, mm-hmm. but like same idea, like seven days, you, you get it. Creepy black haired girl crawling out of a TV. Um, Super fun asymmetrical horror game. Uh, sometimes kind of toxic players and other times like the most helpful, friendly people that you'll ever meet, like just trying to get you through like the basics of the game. Um, it's it's not really a co-op game, Ben, but if you wanted someone to play with, I would definitely try to, to make that happen with you so you can kind of experience how it works. It's super fun. I really, really, really like Dead by Daylight. Um, they've had some really good content drops. This year, they've they've fixed a lot of of graphical issues. Uh, Behavior is a Canadian team, so there's a, like a little soft spot in my heart for them. Um, you know, like playing as the nemesis and as Claire and Leon and and Chris and Jill. That's the other one. Uh, super fun. I just really really good game. I know Luke really likes it a lot, and I think him and I have been its biggest advocates on on Survivor staff. But um. You should definitely give it a go if you haven't, because it's really, really, really fun. Best ongoing mm. game. Better Too than... many things to play. Too many things to play. True. But, um, better than what? Better than, like, a Destiny. Destiny, I tried playing again. Ooh. Just too many things going on. It's I, it's like it's super confronting. Like I just don't know where to start, and could, like too scared to to jump in. I should really try to figure that out, and I will over Christmas. But um, Dead by Daylight's just all reliable. Four generator, five generators. Get get the gens done, get to the exit, or, you know, be horribly mutilated by a killer. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's perfect. That's it. Uh, our Game of the Year awards will, will go for basically the rest of this month. They finished on the 30th of uh, 
December, so we'll have a whole oh, bunch wow. of categories. Yeah. Ride us out to the end of the year, and then we'll uh, take a teeny break, and we'll see you in 2022. I guess this this is the last episode of this, so we'll you and I will take a break from yeah from this. We'll take a break. This is our game of the year podcast, but we can't even discuss our game of the year because you just said it hasn't been announced yet, so we don't know what it is. Well, uh, the game of the year is beyond the us. Show. The game of the year is beyond us, Ben. There's a multitude of, of writers course. who got to vote. So, what is if you want to talk about your game of the year? I'm all ears. Your personal Ben Salter uh, no, game of the, the collective one. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I already told you it's Halo, probably, but it's that does that's been rejected due to some admin errors by the Game Awards, which we've had to adopt as well. Uh, so in that case, uh, Metro Dread, I think it was very the, the one that actually everyone forgets, and I would say it's my second game of the year uh, is Hitman Three. Because everyone forgets that game came out this year because it came out in January, which is normally just some dud offshoot games that come out then. Or some like innovative, unsure by the publisher games, and they kind of try to launch them in that period. Uh, but it's great. It's way better than the other two. And they were both great too. It just kind of perfects the formula. So yeah. uh, a forgotten game, but certainly a well-deserving one. And then Deathloop would round out number three from uh, from that batch. Honorable mentions to Psychonauts 2. Very good. Um, and Forza Horizon 5. Psychonauts 2 is probably my game of the year, if I'm being completely honest. It was like just a bad time of the year and like a lot of lockdowns. It's just like a really optimistic and hopeful and thinking about like all these issues that we kind of shove under the rug. Um, topical and important and like just super fun. And like I, I tried playing the original yeah. Psychonauts and just kind of like eh, unplayable but, like loved loved it loved 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 it so um kind of made me sad that it didn't pick up any awards like even even the likes of ratchet and clank rift apart didn't pick up any game awards awards really and they're two really good games so like that's probably that's probably another one a contender that that needs to be noted ratchet and clank so well we been, yeah it's way better than ratchet and clank but they're neat, both very good. neat in terms of what an idea of what we can start seeing more of um and uh, like not game of the year by any stretch but if, if you have uh, a current gen console and want to download the <sighs> matrix awakens i think it's called uh the unreal engine 5 demo experience thing it's it's crazy confronting because i started it up and i think it is actually a video at the very very start of Keanu Reeves, but then like it transitions into a digital representation of Keanu Reeves. And like, you don't know okay. which is which it's like, it's, it's like 25 gig or something. It's sort of like an interactive yeah, okay. thing. There's like some gameplay, but sometimes it's just like you watching digital uh, interpretations of Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. And it's just like, Ooh, like this is Epic showing. And I think the coalition helped showing what, um, Unreal Engine 5 can do and it's like photo real crazy um so yeah. and like it's not truly a game so I'm sure there's like cycles and stuff that like a game would need to take back from the engine to be able to you know I don't know enemy AI or whatever however video games work but I like it's just to check it out if you have like a spare half an hour just check it out it's it's crazy exciting in terms of what video games can potentially be in a couple of years like what they can look like yes yeah. like we all are those, we're gonna be in the matrix all those, basically all those games i just talked about one is from a handheld from 2017 and the others are all cross-gen <laughs> games like so none of those are current gen games at all and it's it's the state of things now so we would expect the first six to 12 months of a console to be cross-gen just to make more money but that's no doubt being extended by the fact that you can't buy one of these consoles or certainly not easily so uh, we probably haven't really, like, we've seen games run way better, but we haven't seen them look way better yet. And I think that's because that reason. So the only game that felt truly current-gen to me this year was Flight Sim on Xbox because it, one, wasn't cross-gen, and two, shouldn't really be possible because to my brain, a game like that should only be, like, high-end PC. And it ran so well on the Series X that it was just kind of like, not that I'm really into just sitting there playing Flight Sim for hours, like, it's fun to fly around your hometown and to see somewhere you've been, but it was more just fun to see a game like that running on a console. Like I didn't think that would be possible. So yeah. I'm looking forward to see more of that in the next few years when we start to get stuff, which is 
specifically made for this current generation. Even something like Halo Infinite was meant to come out last year. It was clearly in development for Xbox One, and it, it still runs okay by all reports at Xbox One. So very much cross-gen game, um, as are all those others. So looking forward to seeing some more stuff. And hopefully this Matrix demo, which is more or less an ad for the upcoming movie, is a sign of things to come. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Um, Ben, while we wait, though, how can we find you on the internet? Uh, I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter and yourself. S right AU on social media. Or you can go to survivor.com and check out all the stuff we do. Uh, It's been an interesting 2021, and I'm kind of scared to say that I feel like we're going to maybe enter 2022 in the same way we entered 2021, and I hope it's not that case. I hope, like, I do get to go to Canada very soon. I hope things get better and not worse so uh thanks for thanks for being here one ben thanks for being here to listen and watch everybody else it's been at least when you know we're all stuck at home we decide to start live streaming and stuff and you know with our millions and thousands of, of of live viewers um it's been fun it's been really fun uh have a very wonderful holiday season celebrating and enjoying the time however you choose to do it and uh we'll see you back here in what like about a month or so we'll let you know we're not committing to a time frame because that's just not how we really roll but uh yeah about a month or so we'll be back when the games start coming back so um, we've made it to 192 episodes that's very exciting we're going to be back with 193 we're going to have to plan some type of spectacular 200 celebration because this show has been going on in multiple formats for like seven years eight years yeah seven years a long time crazy right there'll be a 200th spectacular of some degree. We always try to get a third and or fourth person on and normally fail. So uh, we'll plan ahead and we'll get someone. Well, if I do it live on Twitch, there's no way I can get two extra people to guest and then forget to record it or anything resembling yeah. keeping it for posterity. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we should. You're right. We should be at episode 194, but we're not. So <laughs> never mind. Yeah, well, that's my fault. Um, and obviously we will have more people. It's the December is the, the worst month for a lot of people. So we were trying to line up guests. I think we could do it now quite comfortably. I think I, I'm fine being able to have a third person on, but like just in terms of timing, we just went for, for easy, comfortable pile. But, um, we, we, there are plans 2022 to have a whole bunch more people. So you'll get more right. perspectives we'll than just it. Ben and I, but not that I'm saying that your perspective is bad, Ben. I love you very much, and I'm glad to hear from you every single fortnight. Um, we're rambling. Let's. We'll see you next year. Have a good one.